Hey, Rockheads. This is Music to Code by Track 12. Check this out. Oh, yeah. Just what you need to get in the zone when you write code. And get this. We just added a site license. Download it once, share it with everybody in your office. Check it out at musictocodeby.net. Net Rocks, episode 1289, with guest Chris Gomez. Recorded Wednesday, April 6th, 2016. Hey, 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 it's Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell coming at you for .NET Rocks. My buddy, what's up? Well, hopefully by this time I have a basement again. It's getting close. We're recording this in early April and publishing in late April, so. Are you going to do some acoustic treatment to your basement? Uh, for to my office, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've got some, I've got some acoustic tiles and, uh, I might end up with a couple of real traps. We'll see what happens. Real traps. You know, you, you got to sort of test the space too, right? You do. Yeah. And it's not assembled yet, but I put extra soundproofing in all the walls. So outside sounds have a tough time getting in. And that's uh, good. And we I, do a- I think I tweeted out the button. Yeah. I got this big red plunger in, with a stainless steel backing that says on the air and you pop it, pull it, pop it out, turns the light on outside the room. And right. So that's fun. That is fun. I have, I've had a recording sign for a long, long time. Hey, uh, we have some, a lot of stuff to cover. So let's just get started with better know a framework. Awesome. <laughs> All right, man. What do you got? Do you remember Richard back in the aughts when we Way tried? When. Yeah, when and maybe even in the late nineties when IIS came out and we tried to access our Word documents from within a IIS process and or Excel. Bad things happened because the apartment threading model. And oh yeah. It just wasn't good, was it? They, they wouldn't clean up properly. You yeah. know, the server would run slower and slower. You'd go log into the server, take a look, and see 15 instances of Excel or Word running at once. You're like, oh, no. Well, we don't think of doing that just because it it's, brings back memories of horrible th- trauma. But um, my Better Know framework today uh, is a tool that solves that problem. And, you know, this problem has been solved for a while, but this is a really elegant solution. So if you go to 1289.pwop.me or just look up on NuGet docx or install package docx, this is it. Docx, it's a .NET library that allows developers to manipulate Word files, and particularly Word 2007 format, in an easy and intuitive manner. So you can insert, remove, or replace text in a document, and you get all the standard text formatting, you know, font, family size, color, bold, italic, underline, 
strike through, subscript, superscript, highlight. And we've actually used it here at AppV Next, and it's worked perfectly. Nice. Yeah. So there you go. It's uh, DocX. Who's talking to us, Richard? I grabbed a comment off of show 1190, the one we did back in September of 2015, and we talked to Bryce Fernandez about developing in Unity, because, you know, game development. Yeah. The, the conversation keeps coming up. There's so many different ways. That was a really fun show, just talking about sort of the fundamentals of Unity 3D, what it's strong at, and so forth. I really got the sense that it, this was a tool that was very designer-centric, mm. you know, and but, you know, still there's space for programmers in there, things for them to do. And Sean Featherly had this great comment. He said, great show. I have worked on a forms app done entirely in Unity 3D. And this is something you asked about, Carl. Yeah, yeah. It's always been a sort of a side interest of mine to see how that yeah. is going along. The UI layout for the many aspect ratios of mobile devices wasn't a huge pain point with the new Unity 4.6 UI, huh. which, by the way, Unity has just rolled over to 5. Wow, okay. So, in six, six months later, which is a, actually apparently a very big update, which, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But right. This was the very mature version of Unity 4 that he was using. Doing UI is a little trickier than just using XAML for layout. The biggest challenge is getting native things like maps, so other objects and stuff, your your assets, to play with the Unity fun tech. Right. Like an augmented reality space needle driven by Vuforia. Vuforia? What the heck is Vuforia? What the heck is that? Vuforia.com. Okay. And Vuforia is the leading augmented reality platform, and here's why. And they okay. have all this stuff in there, including a big announcement that says, supports HoloLens. Oh. Using Unity and Visual Studio. Nice. So, Sean, not only an awesome comment just letting us know, you know, you've been doing something we were really interested in about the UI layout, but leading us to Vuforia, which makes me think... There's another show. <laughs> right. <laughs> People are, you know, at Build, I bumped into lots of fans. It was really fun to meet them. And a lot of them saying, like, how do you come up with right. so many shows? And I, it's like, dude, dude, I'm not even close to running out. We could go to five a week and still have plenty we of content. Absolutely could. There's <laughs> so much to talk about. Yeah. And I blame you, Sean. I didn't even know about Vuforia. <laughs> I had a simple life minutes ago. Minutes ago, my life was easier. I was just having some ham and eggs and boom. Now Vuforia. <laughs> what? Oh, just... Driving down this AR stack is going to be a really interesting challenge. And it's not, I mean, not just about gaming, right? This right. is an important set of tooling. And I think it's one of the reasons we've kept bumping against Unity in these different gaming approaches is that we're at the cusp of fundamental UI changes. And these tools may be the solution. I don't know what the answer is, mm. but I'm looking for solutions. Hey, Sean, thanks for your great comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or via any of our social medias because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. And send us a tweet. We wash our cats with them. And with that, let me introduce Chris Gomez. Chris is a Microsoft MVP for ASP.NET, and he's a frequent speaker and contributor to the Philly.NET developer group. His day jobs have including developing kiosks for theme parks and improving clinical data exchange in healthcare. I love it. His hobby for game development started much earlier when he was making games using ASCII characters like Basic A on the Woo. IBM PC. 
5150, which we today call The Tank. He he co-founded a local game developers group called Philly Gameworks that seeks to help you make your first game, whether you are a lifelong developer or completely new to coding. And Chris is also co-host of the Static Void podcast, a developer-to-developer podcast focused on the day-to-day coding and personal skills you need to be successful in the tech industry. Welcome, Chris. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's a real honor. Oh, well, the honor is all ours. You know, gaming is something that we observe from the sidelines. Um, Richard and I, uh, when we do develop, you know, we don't usually develop, but when we do, you know, it's usually more business software and services and stuff. And Sure. Me too, right? I'm an ASP.NET MVP. And being involved in Philly.NET, we have mostly a business developer user group. Right. This has been a sort of a mini crusade of mine for the last five or six years to sneak gaming in. And I used <laughs> to do it with, uh, with every once in a while back with, we're going to talk about this today, XNA. Yeah. And mm. Windows Phone 7. Uh, there was a lot of intrigue. And so I brought it to the user group. And then when Signal R came out, I would do these backdoor game development talks where I said, Hey, let's talk about Signal R. But by the end of the talk, I said, well, now let's look at a game running in SignalR. And so it was kind of like this way to sneak it in there. And developers have, uh, over time, come to me and said, boy, I'd like to learn more about this stuff. So I went ahead and took the plunge. And with the help of some of the other great local folks in the area, like Dave Voyles and Amanda Lang, started that Philly Gameworks group. And that first night when we had 15 people, I said, you know what? That's more than I could have ever expected. Yeah. When you start a brand new developer group, you might get like four people, right? Right. And I said, wow, this is great. We're on to something. And uh, so I thought it was interesting you brought up, you know, Sean brought up Unity. And I have heard that you folks have been interested in the idea of Unity as that cross-platform broker, Mm -hmm. not just as a game development tool. But here it comes, like, hard and fast at us as the probably best way to get into HoloLens development right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because you're in 3D space from moment one. Yeah, but what's interesting is that Unity seems like maybe um, step three in a three-step process to get a HoloLens app. The step step one is, you know, learning the 3D skills of just building 3D objects. And you could spend... A lifetime learning how to make good looking 3D objects that aren't just like cubes and stuff, but like working with shaders and working with, you know, triangles and and all that stuff. And you could spend a lifetime doing all of that. And then you just got these objects. Now you can manipulate them in Unity, (laughs) but now you have to rig them, right? You have to rig them so that you, you apply controls to them so you can move them around. And then you bring those into Unity, and then you can move them around and do things with them and collision detection and all that. Yep. Yep. Well, Unity is just one of the many tools that you can use on Xbox One dev mode, Mm. which is uh, really neat. Uh, Xbox One dev mode just announced it build. Right. Um, I mean, it got a mention in the build keynote, and I would imagine, I don't know what, what you two thought, that for a lot of viewers or folks in the audience... It was, okay, they brought the Xbox guy out, and they showed a couple games, and okay, now he's gone. I'll forget about that. Right. It wasn't for us, really, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
the announcement happened there. Yeah, the announcement sort of wasn't for us. I mean, the announcement, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that the Xbox One is now opened up as a development platform. You can download an app, connect a keyboard and mouse, and now you can use Visual Studio on your Xbox to build apps for Xbox. Right. Most importantly, it's that the Universal Windows platform apps are not just available on Xbox One, but that those of us in the huddled masses can take our retail dev kits, just something we bought at the store, yeah, turn it into into dev mode, and you can load a UWP app on there in this isolated environment. Mm. But now you're using the controller, and you're you're already using skills that you might have building uh, XAML apps, or maybe even UWP apps for the phone right. and the desktop, right? And they can run on Xbox One. Yeah. So um, there's no question that the announcement, I believe, was aimed at finally bringing to fruition that story we've heard for a couple builds now that your UWP apps will work in the living room. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that happened when when Phil Spencer got on stage is folks like me rushed down to our consoles to follow along with that demo. Right. right and. Nice. Uh, and the first thing that I ran into was is that you almost have to back off a little bit is you may not even be able to to start using it right away. And it's because um, many, many Xbox One users are probably enrolled in some kind of preview program, maybe even the dashboard preview program, so you can get some early updates. And the first thing you have to do is roll back from that. Oh. <laughs> and uh, That sucks. To roll out of that program takes some time and it's it's because there's no button that says hey just unenroll me what you do is you say okay i want out of this program and it says okay the next time we push out an update you will be rolled back oh no so you got a 24 to 48 hour window there and for me it was a couple of days (laughs) and i'll tell you they were some of the long it was like waiting for christmas right i just love Um, the fact that you can count on the fact that the xbox will be updated in the next day or so no matter what (laughs) There, well, mm. you know, there's been some speculation that um, a lot of the screaming on Twitter led to some some updates rolled out. I have no idea if that was true. Yeah, just um, change a font size or something. Just push it. Right, right. People are dying to get into dev mode here, right? Yeah, absolutely. So once you get back to the standard dashboard, then you can go through the process of setting up your Xbox for dev mode. And it's actually really well documented, um, which is kind of something Microsoft's pretty good at, I think, even for preview stuff. And mm-hmm. then it was also really refreshing how well-documented it was. Uh, you know, you have to have Visual Studio 2015 with Update 2. You can use Visual Studio Community. You have to go and get the Windows 10 Insider SDK. You have to get a preview release. And so for that, you have to go be a Windows 10 Insider, and you have to go to, to the Windows 10 Insider site. This isn't just the SDK you go download. And this is all stuff you're doing on the Xbox, right? You're not doing No, this is PC? all stuff you're doing on your laptop so at you have this to, point. Oh, I see. Yeah, so you're setting up your laptop to to be allowed to connect to dev mode. So I thought the I thought the good thing about dev mode was that you didn't need a PC. You could just use your Xbox and log on and download all the stuff you want and now it's a developer platform. No? That's a great question. That's a great question. So let's clarify what Xbox One dev mode is. It is the ability to deploy applications to your Xbox so that you have both a remote debugging environment 
and just the fact that you're playing them on your console, right. whether it's an app or a game. So um, that's good that we clarified that. I thought and it was. I thought it was that you could actually use it as a developer machine. Well, if you were building a game or an app for the Xbox today, you need to be in a program, whether that's yeah. uh, the ID at Xbox program, which I just threw that out there, right? It's the self-publishing independent program for folks who want to make games, right. or you got to have a publisher. And you're going to get Xbox One dev kits. These are special boxes. And what when the Xbox One came out, immediately what those of us from the XNA days started screaming was, well, when can I do that on on the Xbox One the way I did on the 360. Okay. You know, it's like everything. You had this ability before and now you've come out with a new platform but you didn't bring the feature forward. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? Right. So that's what we're getting back to is we're getting back to that towards that parity of I, see. I can take an Xbox 360, I can join Creators Club which was that program and now I have a machine I can deploy to and remote debug on. So it's really about deploying and remote debugging. It's not about running because vi- what i thought i saw was visual studio running on an xbox with a connected Probably. keyboard and a mouse and you were doing it all on the xbox no that's not how it works at all they just all right. i just think that they did a great job of switching those screens in the keynote oh, just fast. moving back and forth yeah i just think they were just awesome about that so well, i'm you really know. glad i learned something today and now i'll stop talking about it in no those it's terms. fine those are great questions right I mean, you go back to, I mean, I've known game developers for many, many years going back to lots of different consoles. And the norm has always been you build on the PC deployed to the device. Yeah. It's just a question of degrees of difficulty. The fun yes. part being the Xbox 360 and the PS3 were the worst because their hardware was so radically different from PC hardware that you almost could not run your code in a meaningful way on your PC, you mm. constantly had to deploy to the game device, and it slowed down game development massively. Right, right. Which made it all the more remarkable at, that the XNA team, they were so passionate about democratizing game development. Because they were solving an incredibly hard problem. Getting that, yes. getting C-sharp to run on the goofball hardware that was the yes. Xbox 360, that, that's, a, that's a very tough thing to do. But the Xbox One and the PS4, by the way, are basically PCs, you know, hardware-wise. Right. With custom operating system. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which means the game that you, stuff you write on your PC should run more or less, arguably faster, because these days PCs keep getting better, than what they'll run on the Xbox. Yeah, and here's the great thing. So, if you are familiar with the 360 program, anyone listening, or if you worked with it at all, you it was XNA or nothing. Right. And that story is very different with UWP, because it's anything that UWP supports. Which is a so, lot of things. Yes. So we talked about Unity. Unity works. Um, so do JavaScript frameworks because UWP supports JavaScript. Nice. Uh, one thing I like to tell people is, is if you're a web developer, you're already a game developer. Your front end skills combined with a JavaScript framework, such as the Phaser uh, JS framework or the Create JS frameworks for 2D games mm-hmm. or the Babylon JS framework for 3D games, and I'm being totally unfair because there are dozens of great frameworks. I'm just picking out three that I've already tested sure. in dev mode. Uh, you just build a web page normally. HTML, CSS, JavaScript, none of that fancy Windows RT stuff that people think like, well, don't you have to use special JavaScript? I specifically set out in this first week since build 
and said, I'm, I'm going to force myself to use native APIs. The underlying host in UWP JavaScript is Edge on the Xbox. Hmm. And we, you know, Edge is a pretty up to date browser. Mm-hmm. So uh, on my GitHub repository, I have a UWP JS project. And look, it's a mess. It is not ready for public consumption, but I figured <laughs> let's just get it out there, right? And I'm using the HTML5 gamepad controller API, the HTML5 sound, uh, HTML5. Now, here's a, here's a kicker. I'm making Ajax calls, which oh, in X and A, you had no path out of that box. Wow. But here, I, I, so far, I've just made an Ajax call to a little web server on my back end, and that already got the ideas flowing. I, sh- I could implement leaderboards. And yeah, this is wow. all outside of any Microsoft APIs, which you can use. I've sort of taken the first week as a challenge to myself as how standard is this so that when I go forth and meet people in the community, I can say to them, you use your web development skills, or do I have to back off a little bit and say, well, but here and here and here. And that's, you know, we're in very early days. This keynote was last week. And, you know, I'm kind of out there saying, well, what can you do? Um, my mm. game dev group can't wait. We've already got a night scheduled and they're going to be asking me those questions. So, you know, we want to know. And there's some great resources out there. The MSDN forums have Microsoft employee. I've seen them in there answering questions. So they're excited, I think. Uh, I think they're excited to see feedback and growth. And, you know, to be honest, the more feedback and growth they see, the more people they see latching onto this for all of its maybe what you might say faults and problems of what it can and can't do. Well, that guides them as to what should they work on. Hmm. And now you've got all these languages. So, I mean, you really are further ahead. Yeah. You know, I just talked about JavaScript. Uh, if you're a C-sharp developer or a VBnet developer, and maybe even if you remember a little XNA, there's a very popular, what I call the spiritual successor to XNA called Monogame. Right. Indeed. Monogame runs on many platforms. I think you might have even talked about it on the show before. Sure. We have. And, we have when, by the time this show's come out, that show will have come out a couple of weeks before. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. And so, there's more than Monogame, too. There's a bunch of them yes, out there. Cross-platform right. uh, game development engines. Right. Um, the, you know, the, it's become an industry uh, to go after this market, um, I can name, you know, Construct 2, which I love teaching to kids because it's very visual based and it breaks games down into event driven loops and, and younger people can really understand that, but so can non developers. Um, you know, there's, there's the game maker suite from YoYo Games that can produce UWP. Uh, and then the big boys, Unreal and, and the Cry, the Cry Engine from Crytek. I mean, this stuff can all work now because UWP supports C++ with DirectX. It supports C Sharp and it supports JavaScript. So the door is wide open for you to get started. Wow. I mean, and those are, like I said, big boys. You just casually said the Unreal Engine and the Crisis Engine. I mean, the Unreal Engine, that's where Unreal came from. That's also Gears of War, uh, Psychonauts, like serious right. Modern games. games. Yep. Mm-hmm. Top, of, top of the line, top of the food chain games. Absolutely. And those will run uh, on the Xbox One today. Now, you know, let's let's take a step back and talk about what we're getting in dev mode. You're not getting exclusive access to the Xbox One. Um, right. The Xbox One is a complicated uh, machinery and set of operating systems. It is not just a single operating system. And if you're building a flagship game like Gears of War or Halo 5, 
you yeah. work with Microsoft, you get the, the true blue SDK and you get exclusive access to the console. You're pl- and you're programming in C++. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. Well, you know, yes, but um, there are quite a few games with the Xbox SDK going through the ID at Xbox program. There are JavaScript games running okay. in the Edge host. Hmm. Uh, and because it, not everything is just about the exclusive access. Some of it is getting access to the live APIs. Right. It's also not about frame rate all the time. Right, that's true. And so dev mode, it's a reduced Xbox. And and look, that was some of the complaining that right away, obviously, people want. Right. I want to do whatever I want with my Xbox. But but really what this is, is about is bringing UWP to the platform in that sandboxed fashion. So, y- you know, you only get about 50% of the GPU power. And right now in this preview, the memory access is limited to 448 megs. They Ooh. say by the final release, it'll jump up to a gig. So those big uh, game engines we just talked about, they're going to struggle. And even Unity might struggle. Right. That was one of the things about Unity when we were talking about the UI framework, is that it does have a very large runtime. And if you think about it, it's, you know, doing doing a text box with pixels just takes more oomph than, you know, a native OS drawing a, a window. Yeah. There's yeah. no question that if you're serious about making a game, the correct path is to join the ID at Xbox program, which any of us can do. It's an independent developer program. Yeah. And to take something close to a demo and a pitch to them, because then you're on the path to getting a dev kit. Mm. Right. That's, so, I mean, this is the way to go, yeah. right? Is you could use this UWP mode to build, you know, the first right. level or, you know, just a sample of what you're thinking for an app. And so rather right. than just storyboarding and banging against the wall, it's like, look at this. And I published it and people are playing it and want more. There's something special about getting it working on the hardware, even though what we've been told for a while is as well, it's this exact same thing as if you get it running on Windows 10. Yeah, it, that's very true. But there's something special about getting that controller support in, mm, seeing it right. on the big screen. And there's that feel and look of it you can kind of fine tune. And then you go make that that pitch to the self-publishing program, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I remember, remember the, this was the old pitch, right? The three screens in the cloud, but also it was right. like the, 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 the one foot experience, the three foot experience, the 10 foot experience. Right. And right. Actually making a piece of software that looks good at that 10 foot experience, that Xbox TV experience. It's different. It is different. There's some great conversation that took place at build talking about the 10 foot experience. They say, simplify your UI you know, um, this isn't a desktop machine. It's it's actually, in some ways, this is going to sound odd. You might have a 50, 60-inch screen, but think of it more like a phone. And that sounds crazy, yeah. right? But the reality yeah. is, is that it's the kind of experience where the user wants to focus on one or two UI elements, not hundreds. We reserve that that experience for when we're getting blasted by aliens or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um but generally speaking, uh, for even a game player, if you put too much on the screen, it's confusing and they don't know what to do next in, right, in terms yeah. of elements, UI elements. Hey, yeah, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yep. It's time for me to unplug the keyboard and mouse from my Xbox One and go back to my freaking laptop. <laughs> <sighs> you were all excited. Here I thought I was moving up to a 65-inch monitor. <laughs> oh man it's actually time to give away a d experience subscription from developer express 
to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Pierre de Blois from Quebec. Oh, congratulations, Pierre. Golf yes, clap for you, sir. Golf clap for you, sir. And uh, Pierre just won the D Experience subscription, a big pile of awesome from Developer Express, our friends over there. And if you don't know what we just did here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Chris Gomez, it's your turn now. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology, and this ought to be good, Richard, (laughs) what would you buy? (laughs) Well, the easy answer is the HoloLens, but I'm not going to use that. No comments. And it's just because, because, you know, you say, oh, well, there goes three-fifths of it, and who can't wait to make games on the HoloLens? Yeah. Don't worry. That's something I want to (laughs) do. But I got to thinking about it, and I said, okay. I think if you want to be a game developer, you need tools. And something that I haven't done is I haven't bought game engines. And I'm not going to name them by name because I don't, I think it'd be unfair to play favorites. But a lot of these game engines have professional editions. It would be awesome to get them, unlock the power of being able to deploy to UWP Mm. and be on that path towards distributing, you know, an ID at Xbox game. That would be fantastic. Can we talk about what a Windows Universal app is or a Universal Windows app? Because, you know, the definition changes every day. And, uh, yes. and I don't mean that literally, but it has changed over the years. And in particular, how it applies to Xbox. Are we talking about a XAML app that also has some 3D graphics? Uh, does it mean it could be a completely 3D app? What exactly does that mean? So... UWP is pretty flexible, but it's really the successor to um, what was briefly called like the Windows Runtime Win and the WinRT APIs. Yeah, and that's not to confuse it at all with the you know the operating system. Right. But when when Windows 8 was coming out, they said, "Hey, we've got this new API set," and UWP is building on that. Okay. But what it, what it does is it it has the the multiple language support, yep. JavaScript, .NET, C++. And UWP apps allow you to be exclusive to DirectX 12 apps if you want. Or you can hmm. even say, I want to put DirectX 12 in a panel in my app. Hmm. That could even be a panel in a .NET app. So you, ha- you, could, you could say, I want to use XAML for most of my UI, but then have this Direct3D panel. Or go the other direction. And and just to, to be, think about yeah. what that would mean. I mean, would you have like a um a, a little graphical thing running in a in a panel that you could then interact with just like you could a game? Yeah, you could. Um and then go full screen with it if you want. 
you could you could make that happen. Certainly, you could. Mm. Um, I think that like if you just read documentation, you'll see the C sharp XAML support with a Direct 3D panel, and they'll say, okay, well now that part you got to go drop into Direct 3D. But ah uh, ah, uh, uh, you could use Mono Game there too. Oh yeah. So right. you could stay all in C sharp because Mono Game will support that Direct 3D panel. And there's samples. The Mono Game community has samples for all this. And just because um, you're using Mono Game doesn't mean you can't be Windows Universal compatible. Yeah, it's it's uh, in fact Mono Game supports UWP today. And and they've they've been on the forefront of supporting uh the Windows Store from as early as I mean uh, one of the very first Windows Store games uh, was using mono game. They jumped on that pretty early and made sure they were ready to support that. But then again, you know, it was all about just providing that .NET access to direct 3D so that yeah. you could stay in your comfort zone. And heck, if you were an old XNA developer, that is a API parody like interface. It's inspired, not just inspired by it. It actually, they, they use the same APIs, you know, to get wow. as far as they could until you get to the place with multiple devices and so on. Mm. Um, and now when we've only talked about .NET and, and C++, you know, there's, there's support for, for JavaScript as well. So, you know, these aren't Win32 apps. These aren't the kind of apps that you would build an MSI and put on a web. These, these were meant for the store. That was the whole idea of the universal Windows platform. And they would run great on your phone and they would run great on your desktop. And now they will run great on your Xbox One. But now they also announced a build. That you could take any Win32 app and then do a binary conversion to make it a universal app. is How does that work on the Xbox? And that I would really like to see because I don't <laughs> believe that – it's not that I don't believe it. It's that I don't believe I've seen anywhere that, that Win32 converter is available to us yet. Okay. Uh, it was a great demo. And in fact, if you watch, you know, what they did in the demo is they took, first they took an old game, the, uh, an old classic, Age of Empires 2, yeah. and they converted it through, and then now it had a live tile, which was kind of like, but that's a universal Windows app, when, mm, when, once you're doing, bought right? into the store and the live tile, right. But at last year's build, they also announced that you could uh, upload any Win32 app through the App Store, and it would run on Windows 10 in a virtualized environment. Is that that's not the same thing as a con binary conversion. You know, I don't know if we got enough information at build to yeah. know how it all works, but they definitely showed us on stage. I've got a win 32 app. I'm running it in front of you yep. through this magic converter. And now it's a UWP app. Yeah. The next step for us, which I, I cannot do today. So I can't say that it works or is supported is would that would, could I ship that off to the Xbox one? Right. Right. Um, I've been pretty pleasantly surprised to see that, you know, what does work. And, and I guess this was the whole point. The UWP APIs, that platform was, listen to the name, it's universal. Right. So they told us, don't worry about it. Those AP, you go call a file storage API, that's going to work whether it's on a phone or an Xbox or a, or a PC because we've, we've provided a additional layer of abstraction. Mm. And uh, while I haven't gotten to play with it all, and I think that the community is frantically figuring out what works and what doesn't, right. and there's no question that the Xbox One UWP docs themselves say, we're not, we don't have 100% surface area yet. Bring up what you see that doesn't work. Let us know. 
Well, clearly you know, Richard and I have to find those people and have them on the show so we can clear some of this up. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, the answer is out there somewhere in the blogosphere, but we just haven't found it yet. Um, what about Connect? Yeah, so I I actually uh, thought you would ask that question, and that makes great sense. <laughs> and I can't wait to get to using Connect. I can tell you that it their support does not work today. However, that question has been asked. So there's no support in this preview. There was no announcement of any kind, but yep. immediately over in the MSDN forum, somebody said, can I use Connect? And a Microsoft employee has answered there to say, we'll have more announcements in the coming weeks. I don't have an announcement nice. today. And boy, I loved the sound I of that. I love that. Yeah, that sounds right, great. That, that didn't sound like, no, we're not looking at Connect right now. It's not in our roadmap, you know? Yeah. But clearly, well, that's now all you we- start talking about what a UWP app, like a really innovative UWP app, would be. Connect, Cortana, yeah. uh, you know, something distinctively new UI, new approach mm-hmm. right, at that ten foot experience. I think it makes mo- way more sense in that scenario than it does on the average PC. Sure, right, right. Yeah. And I think one of the problems Microsoft's had with Connect is is. F- a lot of people see the value, but unfortunately for the mass market, the the huge important games don't really adopt it that much because yeah. they've got a different market to serve. And you start seeing the really innovative game development coming out of the small indies who say, I, I got a cool idea for the Kinect. Right. Well, that's been true for years and years, actually. Like you, I, I've got friends who were, have been worked for Electronic Arts for a long time and, and, and Electronic Arts is the evil empire you know like <laughs> and i don't mean we, that in a bad way no no i mean it in the bad way like it's pretty bad but their math is really solid like they know how large the gaming community is they know how much they're prepared to spend they know how many and they they spend in a tremendous amount of money making games because they make a tremendous amount of money making games and they know there's only a certain number of blockbuster games a year of which they're going to land a, a few of them. But that mentality means zero innovation, hmm. right? You, you you take the tried and true plots, the tried and true games, you pour $100 million into new art, music, and styling, and you ship it out for Christmas. That is the business model of the big guys. Don't look for original gaming at all. And in fact, when you see an original game show up in EA, it's because they bought it. <laughs> it's the little game studio. And I've had friends, I swear to God, have done this three times now. They create a little studio in Vancouver. They come up with a cool game. It becomes successful. They get acquired by Electronic Arts. They do their two-year vest with Electronic Arts, hating every minute of it to collect all their money. And then they go make a new studio, make another original game, and get acquired by Electronic Arts. Yeah, that does repeat with the big game studios. It's true. Yeah, they're pretty simple creatures. Now, admittedly, I'm summarizing what was like 20 years worth of work for a certain friend of mine uh, who's not suffering. Like, he's fine. Everything's fine. But uh, this UWP model, I mean, we're democratizing the ability to get to that form factor. If you've got a really creative idea, you can get it out there. You can try it. And you've got some gradation here, right? You could literally do it for essentially nothing inside the UWP model. And if it has any traction, you go to the ID at Xbox approach and get a little t- more access to the machine, go further with a bigger team and some validation. And who knows where it ends up? Hmm. Right. And we there was an announcement that the uh, 
the stores are converging. So this isn't this isn't just like, hey, we gave you dev mode so you can go away and be a hobbyist and we're not going to hear from us again. Right. You know, it mm. was stated that this year the Xbox One and Windows Store converges and that your UWP apps can be on it. And there's been no no statement that games can't be part of that. They've just said, right. look, here's how, here's the amount of box we're giving you. And you can make a ton of great games. I mean, a ton of great games, especially, uh, and I don't even really want to make this sound bad, but even games that you might consider casual games, which sometimes dominate the market and make oh, sure. a lot of revenue. Yep. Uh, and they will run just fine in this mode if this is the path you want to take. Yeah. And you can end up in, in this new store. Um, but, but like one of the pitches that I've been making or am probably going to continue to make is, is that look at this path to be the home hobbyist and just get engaged with game development and having fun. Or, you know, you got some kids and they love games. I mean, I have, uh, she's soon to be six. And that first weekend morning that we spent, she loved it. Yeah. She nice. absolutely loved it. She sat there with the controller. She wanted to bring the game back on. And then she was filing bug reports. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yes. Right. You know, uh, daddy, why, can you make him jump? Hold on. And then after <laughs> a while, you're picking up, you know, in my little demo, you're picking up stars and the stars are bouncing. And she figured out that she could jump off of the top of the star. And I said, oh, nice. good, that's a bug. <laughs> so, you know, she's well on her way to a career in QA. I'm also really excited about this idea of exploring the new UI, exploring the new style of app. Nothing to do necessarily with gaming, but just right. could this be the interface to our homes, or, you know, to overall entertainment or any other number of services? And we didn't talk about that too much because obviously I run a game group. I'm excited about games, but... but sure. The controls, all of the universal Windows platform controls, so these are the the menus and, you know, the XAML controls, they have been optimized for controller now. Right. So they talk about how, remember how way back in Windows 8 timeframe, they said these controls are optimized for mouse, keyboard, and touch. And then fast forward a little bit to Surface Pro timeframes. Now we've optimized for keyboard, mouse, touch, and ink. And now you add a fifth category on controller. And I wouldn't be think we're too far away from adding a conversation category on right <laughs> right so um it, there's a great build talk that a couple members of the xbox team did and they come right out it and say we're talking about apps today yeah. and they demonstrate how they took a just a normal pc app which was a nice learning app learning about uh, history in this case and they brought it to the xbox and it, and it and it made sense the way they moved it to the Xbox. The uh, the tiles were nice and big. They were easy to navigate on a controller. Mm -hmm. You got that nice X. I, I can't really tell you what it's called, but that that Xbox controller sound when you move from from tile to tile, that little right. blip, that was very yep. comforting. And I actually envision that there is a whole missing market on the console of fun learning educational apps that. I used oh, to yeah. play when I go back to that tank PC and I did, you know, learning about history on that, that PC. Well, today's youth are on their Xboxes or their consoles or their tablets. You know, we can shift those right over there and engage them. And you know, parents sure. have the pockets to, <laughs> to pay us for that work. So, yeah. And are motivated to do so. Right. 
But yeah, you throwing connecting Cortana on top of this as well. Like this could be the ultimate kitchen PC concept <laughs> where, you know, really you know, no more PCs in the kitchen. It's an Xbox plugged into a big screen with gesture and voice. I tried to do what you did, Richard, which is have a, uh, a touch screen just sort of yep. hanging on the wall in the kitchen. And I want to, you know, use that for you know, weather stuff and was looking forward to writing some apps for it that I could integrate and with speech and all that stuff. And, and my wife goes, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, I, I couldn't really explain it. I was kind of like, well, you know, I want to hang this up and maybe do some, write some, she's like, no, 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 that's not going in my kitchen. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, well. Why are you taking apart the entertainment yeah, center again? <laughs> well, it's not like that. It's more like, you know, and w- just where do you plan to hang that? You know, and I look around <laughs> the kitchen and she's right. There's not a whole lot of space. But that's why I kind of like the, you know, the Amazon Echo idea or right. just the idea of planting microphones around the kitchen that are hidden. And you could just have these conversations with your house rather yeah. than, uh, you know, I love that idea. And and to that point, I've, I'm totally immersed in the bot framework now and I love it. And the Lewis stuff, which is L-U-I-S, which, um, sort of figures out the, the basic language parsing stuff for you. Uh, it's just great. Yeah. I wonder what it's going to take to get to a point where we simply don't have a screen connected to the machine anymore. Well, yeah. so, you know, some things are just easier to convey with an image and then some That's things true. are easy easy with voice you know sometimes you do have that one screen in your kitchen because i've been there that's up high on the wall that you you mostly run a slideshow on and that has been a that has been a life-changing experience for my family and now i'll just tell everybody what it is and it doesn't sound like much technologically and it really isn't but you know we combined families this is my second marriage and she took pictures from her kids past and i took them from my kids past and mine and hers and we put them all together into the slideshow that randomly picks from thousands of photos and puts them up right over the, of the, on the mantle of the fireplace in the kitchen. And then when the kids were all together and just sitting there, they could look up and tell stories to each other about things, you know, and just feel comfortable sharing that stuff. And it, and it brought our family together. Uh, it really was a sort of Brady Bunch moment for me. It sounds kind of crazy, but that it's a simple technology solution to a, to a social problem that turned out to be really, really effective. Well, it sounds like an Xbox One app. Yeah, it certainly could to be. bring your photo gallery yeah. together in a maybe an automated way, an intelligent way. Um, take all of the organizing out of it if someone can figure that out, because you know you get so much digital content, and then you look at it and say, "Oh gosh." Well, the thing that I like the way you could expand this, and it's pretty simple. I mean, it's just a simple slideshow app you point it to. Uh, a root folder that's on some portable hard drive somewhere where everything in the world is. It just randomly picks stuff and shows it. But you could intersperse that with weather alerts, with satellite maps, with, uh, you know, every five images you show some other sort of piece of information that's, that you need to know. Um, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, I, I like, I think, I like thinking about those things. Yeah. But he, I, you could incorporate that screen with the, with, cause you don't need to touch it. It's out of reach, but being able to have a good microphone so that you could actually communicate with it. And then it would flip away from the slideshow to show you the information you asked about. And then when you leave it alone long enough, it goes back to the slideshow. Just sort of expand that capability. Absolutely. And you know me, I'm audio guy. So I'd wire out, I'd have sure. microphones all over the house. Yeah. <laughs> cause you know, just having one microphone isn't enough. Never enough. You know how I actually got that machine into the kitchen was the wife wanted the news. 
Yeah. So it it looked like a TV, but it had another mode. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the ID at Xbox uh, thing. It's not especially expensive. Are you a, a member, Chris? Yeah. It's to say it's not expensive. It's just an application form. Um, right. That's it, and you are in the program now. That doesn't mean that you know, you will fill out this form and a dev kit's going to drop on your doorstep. I, I just, I don't have a dev kit to give you an example, right. but it does mean that you get monthly updates about the program. And it really, it means that you're on a mailing list that eventually, if you really did get something going, you turn around to these folks and say, Hey, I'm interested in self publishing this. And, and here's my pitch. Now, um, if you've, already established a career in game development, you maybe have a couple games in app stores, you list that on the application mm, sure. and you might maybe get pushed along a little sooner. And look, that's just life, right? That's not, yeah. that's not, a, I don't, I don't think that's negative at all. Um, there'd been some kind of gnashing of teeth about it. Like, you know, why can't everybody get that kind of treatment? And it's, it's really, you know, you put some effort into it. And I think if you have an engaging uh, windows 10 based experience or now maybe you know, well, there'll be a UWP app anyway, but now you can refine it a little bit on your console. I really do believe that you can, you're not actually going to want to ship that UWP game to this new store we're talking about in the summer. That's a different thing. And we got to make sure we keep those separate is that's like the very democratic store. At least I think so. You know, I'm inferring this from slides that were given to us and I'm pretty confident that, that this is what they said is you will, you will create the UWP app and you can put it in this store and set pricing. And that's, that's what you want to do. But yeah. if you want to go be an officially published Xbox game, you have a couple routes and one of them is the traditional publishing route, but Hey, you know, I'm just Chris Gomez, right? Mm. I could go the idea at Xbox route. And essentially what happens is they publish it for you. They work with you to get it going. And, and then you also get access to Xbox APIs like achievements, which is kind of the Holy grail because nothing's better for my game than to tell you you can go earn 500 gamer you get score. achievements, mm. exactly. You know? But, you know, and I think there's a very interesting aspect of this, which I, I relate very quickly to podcasting, because lots of people talk about wanting to make a podcast. Lots of people talk about wanting to make a game. Mm -hmm. But the actual effort to get one done, to finish something, and to get it out there and have that experience, you know, that's a pretty stiff filter. Mm. It is. But this UWP tool, I mean, it allows us to lower the bar to make it easier to, to get in. It doesn't mean making a game is easy. Right. It's still oh, no. hard work to actually make something that's playable. But right. it's, you know, no longer, you can't use the excuse of a technological barrier or a exclusive club barrier. Anybody could do this now. It's not, and it wouldn't get easier with more tools. Arguably it gets harder. Mm -hmm. Right. If you can get over that hump, I suspect the Microsoft folks will pay attention to you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, they already have, uh, I want to say it's 200 games shipped through the ID at Xbox program, uh, and that they have uh, 1,400 developers, I think they said, that are working on games. Now, what I don't know is, did that mean dev kits, or did it mean just people in the program? Um, quite a few folks do have dev kits. I mean, I know I know some folks with dev kits. Mm -hmm. uh, I Some local development shops here in Philly, small teams... They brought their dev kits to Philly Gameworks so that we would play test their game. And besides just play testing it, 
my engaged audience was rapid firing questions at them about how did you do this and how did you do that and what did you stumble on and what would you do differently? It was a great learning experience for both sides of that that fence, so to speak. And and of course, they're just awesome people like PHL Collective who made uh, Cluster Puck 99, which is like a uh, couch co-op hockey game where you get like, you know, seven or eight of your best friends and you're just slamming on controllers all night long playing this high-paced game. We, right. we got them into our game dev group and said, let's talk about your process making this game sure. and continuing to inspire people. Yeah. Well, and people who who could who come up with a brain worm, right? Like just something that captures you for an hour or so. Uh, do you remember Grand Skinner, Carl? Yeah, sure. And the Pirates Love Daisies? Yep, yep. So I had to reach out to him for something. I'm hoping to have him on the show sometime soon. Right. And I just fired up Pirates Love Daisies. Then an yep. hour went by. And, then, <laughs> yes. and when I actually wrote in the email, I'm like, damn your pirates without, with it love daisies thing. There goes an hour of my life. And then we tried to talk about, but you know, <laughs> not a real, I mean, it was a demonstration of what was possible in a browser. Did that, did that, did that, did that. It, he's a real pioneer. You don't have there. to be call a duty to grab somebody. Yeah. yeah. He's a real pioneer there too. I mentioned his create JS suite. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. That's his work. And it w- runs fine on UWP JavaScript. And so, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I hope we I hope we'll have him on the show soon. I've been reaching out to him just because he is such a great thinker in this space. He's a very, very clever guy. Mm-hmm. So uh what's next for you, what, Chris? What's in your uh what's in your wheelhouse? What's in your inbox? <laughs> well, um, you know, I do a lot of work in the user group, and so I kind of play these dual roles where on the one hand teaching business developers about things like Git and what's coming in Azure platform as a service and service fabric. And then I turn around at night and I have this passion for hobbyist game development. So our Philly Gameworks group is uh, growing. We've got 163 people in our meetup, and that's just in two years. And uh, next month, we've already scheduled the Xbox One dev mode meetup. And I mean, I just scheduled that a couple days ago. And my inbox is filling up with, you know, this person's coming and this person's coming and this person's coming. <laughs> so it's nice to have taken that that second step of just bringing game development as a one talk here, one talk there to Code Camp and saying, well, we've got our own space and we've yeah. got people excited. And uh, I would love to start to see games coming out of Philly Gameworks. I also recognize that a lot of us are busy people with families. And for some people, the journey will be enough. Um, I don't know if that's where it'll be for me. Maybe. I mean, everything else has been pretty good. I love working on these games with my daughter. That is really exciting. Um, she enjoys it. And eventually, I want to sit her down in front of a great tool set like a Construct 2 and say, hey, I think you can do this, you know, and, and there's really not as much code here. And and have that playing on the Xbox and it would probably just it continues to spark that engagement and imagination yeah well that's great thank you uh, thank you very much Chris for spending this hour with us it's been great oh thank you it's a lot of fun alright we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, 
and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and of course in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a time boy. Life is hard.